well, you're in the grotto pod. It's Guess cool. what? It's cool in here. It's cool in the grotto pod. I'm here. Bridget's here. We're all yep. here. And soon we will be joined by Bridget's Instagram friend. Anna Bronis, I think. Or is it Anna Bron- Brones? We don't know. We're going to find because out. we've never met. We're flying by the seat of our pants today, folks. Yes, we are. Which is an appropriate metaphor for Anna Bronis, who is a cyclist. Yeah. Who often, well, I don't know, flies by the seat of her pants, but certainly cycles by the seat you know, of her pants. You know, let me just tell you, she lives in, oh gosh. She's in Seattle. Seattle. Yeah. And I believe it was last year, but it might have been two years ago, rode her bike here. Really? Yeah. Wow, that is some saddle sore action right there. <laughs> I know. Can you imagine? She probably does some that uh, STP race, too. I'll bring that up. I'm going to wow okay. her with my Seattle knowledge. Oh, okay. And I come by it quite honestly, Good. though. I have a feeling she's much younger than me. No, and if I, I say, like, so where were you when Kurt Cobain died? She might say in the cradle. Not born? Yeah, not born. <laughs> An embryo? Um, I was at uh, daycare with I'm your afraid kid. to say I don't really know because uh, Anna is a writer and an artist, and we met on Instagram. An activist. An activist yeah. and kind of a foodie person and cyclist. Yeah. And bike enthusiast. Yeah. Uh, and we met on Instagram, and she mostly posts pictures of her artwork, so I... I'd seen pictures of her, but I don't know how old she is. Well, I looked her up on the old uh, oh, LinkedIn. Oh, Google. No, linked her in. Okay, yeah. Googled her too. And yeah. uh, no, I don't think she's that young. I think she's. Yeah, I don't uh, think so either. Graduated college in the nineties. Do you want to hear how we actually began conversing? On of course, of okay, course. Okay, so uh, I guess we must have started following each other. I'm guessing through Lisa Congdon, who illustrated my book, right? And, and is, is a Portland a, person. and is in Portland and is an illustrator and writer, um, which Anna is as well. But she posted something about. Fika, which is um, a Swedish coffee break thing. And subject of an entire book that oh, Anna right. wrote. Yes, yes, she did. Although she did also write a new, another newish book about Swedish culture called Funny. Live Lago. Uh, um, Swedish? Did I say Jewish? No. It's oh, okay. A, just a, yeah, Swedish. So Lago. reflex. Live Lago. Anyway, I commented in Norwegian because I'm stupid like that. I, totally. And I just like to do things like that. And she wrote back something like, whoa. And she goes back something in Swedish, and then we started talking, and then took it offline. So, could you? How close are those two languages? Oh, you can. So, when I was an exchange student in Norway in the mid '80s with Karl Uwe Knausgård. Um, That's the memoirist? Yeah, who we went to. The, well, he's a novelist, really, but his novels are thinly veiled memoir. We went to the same high school. At any rate, I lived with a Swedish family, so I uh, only spoke Norwegian and Swedish and English, obviously. But anyway, the point is, yes, they're close enough that you can completely converse so, Norwegian to Swedish. So you could, you guys could actually do this entire podcast in sort of the uh, yep. Scandinavian languages, we and could. I could just take the day off. We could. Or I could just hang I out here. I would be very tired after mints, an hour of that. drink, uh, drink water. Although I think she is American. I think her mom is Swedish. Okay. Well, we're going to find out. Yeah. But whether or not she actually is Swedish, she is certainly interested in Swedish culture because yes. two of her five, six... Books. Yep, Six she's books. written a lot of books. Yep. Uh, that's since 2013, by the way. But we're delving the kind of books she writes. They're they're not. You know, she's not writing novels. She's. They're kind of graphic. I mean, they have a lot of illustrations or a lot of pictures mm-hmm. to show, like uh, Live Lagom. Lagom is a Swedish concept about uh, moder- that, well, the, moderation. The, the subhead is balanced living the Swedish way. Oh, look at you. You're yeah, much more me. thoroughly researched than I am. But uh-huh. at any rate, that has like beautiful pictures to give you an idea of what that is. And I know her book on cycling has a lot of really cool drawings. Right. Well, let's run down her, her list of titles. Okay. I think they sort of sum up. You yeah, know, they give a you a good idea. good idea of what she's into. Yeah. The first book was Culinary Cyclist. 
Yeah. Which doesn't, is that my You're phone? supposed to put it on um, airplane, airplane mode. mode. That's what Julie Withcott Hames taught us. Oh, because this spammer from Comstock, Minnesota wouldn't be able to get a hold of me. Oh my now. gosh, yesterday I got a message saying that uh, the constabulary was after me. Oh, for unpaid taxes? Uh, it wasn't, they didn't say. They said uh, that there were four uh, outstanding warrants for my arrest. <laughs> At any rate, world. carry on. Uh, culinary Cyclist, which isn't a book about eating bicycles. It's about a cyclist who's into food. Like little picnics on your bicycles. Uh, 2015, she published two books, Fika, the Art of the Swedish Coffee Break and Paris Coffee Revolution. Oh, yeah. She also speaks French. Man. Uh, 2016, she published two more. Hello, Bicycle. Oh, that's fun. I have that book. And the aforementioned live l- Lagom. I think it's Live. <laughs> But there's no way to know. Live. No, it is live. Well, maybe Lago. it is live. Balanced living the oh, Swedish way. And her most recent, Best Served Wild, Real Food for Real Adventures, which makes me think that she's the type who goes camping and uh, goes right ahead. And, oh, look at that. The spammers left me a voicemail. Okay. Goes right ahead and uh, brings the utensils and actually cooks. Yeah, I think she's kind Some of like food. adventure, foodie, uh, bicycle, fabulous lifestyle person. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she does a biannual zine about food called yeah. Comest- Comestible. 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 I don't know how to say that. Uh, I don't co-founder know how to say anything, of the Paris like... Ladies Collective. Also a paper cut artist. <laughs> oh my gosh, you guys. You have to check those out. They are Seriously, really she's all, I feel like I'm getting sort of a um, Kimberly Lovato vibe. But in a more kind of street level way. Maybe more. Uh, well, she also has the French thing. That's French interesting. Thing, yeah, the Kimberly, I don't know when this those. is coming out, but Kimberly Lovato was the last person we talked to. Was she? Or no, was Tamara in between? Tamara's in between. Okay. So we're on a jag here of people whose lives are really seem a lot more blissful than ours. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I, it could be. I, I wonder how much time they spend sitting in a closet talking into a microphone. Oh, God, not very much, Just I'm as guessing, once. Yeah. compared to us especially. Yeah, I, nobody wouldn't spends it be more time great if Anna showed up with food? It might be. That would be awesome. It might be. Better than a bicycle because she couldn't fit that in here. She can put it in my office. I'll tell you what, though. Let's go get her. I'm going to see what this spam message is. Hopefully and, they're uh, not after you. First thing we're going to ask her is how to pronounce her name. Okay. All right. Don't mind me. Okay, bye. I just interrupted watching you make a smoothie to welcome you to the podcast, Anna Bronis. Oh. Do you know of which I refer? Oh, you're talking about um, that. There's in Portland a talk- with my friend Boaz. Right, a talk the show. Talk show. Where, yeah. And it's perfect for you because it involved bicycles. Yeah, yeah. And, and food. God, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. Yeah, I made a I- kale smoothie on stage. But you rode your bike there, but I was hoping I that you were bike. going to ride the bike to make the smoothie. I know, me too. It'll be bicycle-powered. It cool, that would have been a cool thing. That's my friend Boaz, who has that um, power show? talk show. Yeah, it's super cool. Does that mean um, your favorite band is Blind Pilot? <laughs> Do you know why I ask that? Wow, good look, check me out. You have I don't tell, know why. tell Bridget why I, I would ask why. that. Why did they have a whole bike thing? Their first oh, tour yeah. was a bike, bike tour. tour. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god, I love that. They're fantastic, yeah. by the way. Yeah. That, okay, there's I a like lot that. of uh, there's a lot of there's like a handful of bands that do. I can't think of the names right now. Wait, I'm you're really telling me that things. they bike from venue to venue? They yeah. did for their first tour when what they were they just do with their yeah. equipment. Well, they were just a duet at the time. Oh yeah. And the, oh, like an acoustic? I think it? they had a trailer. There's also, I can't remember the name, but there's a guy from like down in Kentucky area who, he made a film about a whole summer of, he's a musician, mm-hmm. and did a whole tour all on bicycle. Just, and did a film about it. It's pretty cool. I mean, yeah. that's like, that's commitment. It's also commitment ecologically because it's that kind of travel, with, like with my book. That's mm-hmm. something I feel the worst about is like getting on planes all the time and going places and then just coming right back again. It seems very ecologically 
bad. It is. Yeah. Not yeah. just killing trees. <laughs> but I mean, but I think most of the things we do every day are, really are pretty bad. Good point. Well, I, I don't want to get, you know, chicken or egg or anything because, you know. Even though I, food is kind of a thing. Right. Because what I wrote down when, um, when I was, you know, adding up the facts that equal your professional life, I just put follow your bliss. It seemed like you just oh. do things that. You're interested, and they added up to this. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I think that you should always have people that you don't know, like take a, re- look. Take a look at what you do, and then tell you what they think it is. Because oh, I yeah. feel like it's always a better assessment than you're capable of making yourself. Well, yeah, it's like the ten thousand foot view. Yeah, um, I have no idea. I don't have a elevator pitch. That's <laughs> refreshing. Well, and that's what I mean <laughs> what when I, I say, say I don't want to get chicken or egg because I do want to find yeah. out, you know, the path by yeah. which this all happened. But that's a good point. It's like having someone to your house and you watch them look at your house through their eyes and go, yeah, yeah it's a pretty nice house. I mean, yeah. so we were just talking very briefly on the way in. I just want to say that Anna did ride her bicycle here and I recommended she take it off the street, Larry, because... Um, <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Right. So uh, her bike is now that's in my nice view. <laughs> yeah. Well, Anna, you're Seattle? Yeah, I live outside of Seattle. Outside yeah, of I Seattle? Yeah, I moved back to my hometown, actually. Which what is? You, you it's, called, it's called Vaughn. So hopefully none of these podcasters will like, come stalk me because it is a small town. I think town. there's a Vaughn, Montana. Vaughn, Vaughn. Is that but, um, in the Kitsap Peninsula? It's, yeah, it's close to there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, so we're kind of like in between like Gig Harbor and like the Hood Canal, sort of. So Anna was telling me that her family name is Norwegian, but her mother is Swedish. Mm-hmm. And okay. her most recent books have this, well, not the most recent, you have several mm-hmm. recent, but some have this Swedish angle. Would you have ever thought that would be a thing? Like, it is kind of remarkable. Yeah, it is kind of remarkable. Can you I say mean, the also, titles for us? Yeah, so the first one is called Fika, the Art of the Swedish Coffee Break. And yeah. Fika is the yep. word for coffee break in Swedish. And then the most recent one is called uh, Liv Lagom. And Lagom is a word that means sort of just the right amount of things. It's a whole concept. It's a whole concept. That um, does not exist in the United States No, at all, I always opinion. joke that, like, like, America is like the anti-logom. We live in the extremes. Here's here's what I wrote. Logom is the most un-American of concepts. I have that in my notes here. Well, uh, you you nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that's a... well, you know how book publishing is. Like, things become things, Did, right? did it come from Higa? Yeah, well, so it's not really related to Higa in the sense I know, that, but I mean the publishing. But the publishing, yeah, it. for sure. Yeah. So actually, I didn't even pitch that book. I had a, the, it was in the UK, and the Higa had been such a big deal. So people who don't know, Higa is this Danish, what like, phenomenon. Yeah, it's United like States. a word that means cozy, cozy. basically. Yeah. Um, and we have a similar word in Swedish, which is music. So, so I keep joking that, like, maybe I should just try to make that the next thing. Well, <laughs> apparently, you guys have to know Norway, words. too, because I just saw a, a, an article in a Norwegian newspaper that in Norwegian, kusli is oh, yeah. higa. Yep. But now they're using higa. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah, but so they, so I know, like, I mean, Higa was, has been a big deal here, here and still is, but um, in the UK, it was particularly big. And so I think at some point, the publishing companies were like, what's the next scandal? Yeah. We're going to make it Swedish. Yeah, and it was kind of wild because there was a, there was an article, I think it was in the Telegraph or something at the beginning of January last year that was all about Logum. And actually, the writer, like, did a really good job and kind of, just got the nuances of it, and um, and like right after that, I got two different emails in the same week from two different publishers who were like, "Would you be willing to write this book?" I kind of no, thought it was a joke. Effort. I know, but I thought it was a joke. I was right. like, "Clearly, you must be working together." And they were like, "No, no." So, how has the cause and effect been on the sales of the book? 
Good, I think. I mean, I don't. Um, so it's it's gotten translated into a bunch of languages. Mm. That's fun. And yeah, then what's fantastic. really fun is that um, Ten Speed Press, who has published Fika, and then also my book Hello Bicycle, they got the U.S. rights for it. So it's kind of nice. It feels like it's in the family mm-hmm. here. In see, I didn't even realize. I thought it was a Ten Speed Press. Yeah. Yeah, no, book. it's a it's an eBury Publishing, which is oh, a division of that. Random House in the UK. Oh, yeah, so fun. Yeah. Okay. Well, you say that you never really had an agenda, and this all just sort of happened. <laughs> fell into your lap. Two publishers getting a hold of you. Can you imagine? Lap. No. No, I, I feel like I feel like I always joke to my writer friends like the reason that we check our emails so much oh, is because yeah. we're just like waiting for that email and, then yeah. and it like actually happened. Most of us wait our whole lives. I know and never get that. The email. problem though is like the thing that I say about that book is like I then wrote it in a month. Yeah. So you talk about like anti balance. It's like <laughs> yeah. it's pretty not logom, and it's also not logom that there are so many books about logom. That's a little if, bit. If of you go on Amazon and say you look up uh, the logom book or the Higa book, you'll get dozens, dozens of titles so that are many. around those things. So many. I'm, the Norwegian Higa book, not not Higa, um, Kusli book yeah. has to come out. I just feel it like I'm to. wandering through an IKEA right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a little like that. It's a little like that. So let's go back. Let's say you're, you know, you're a little student there. You're at uh, South Kitsap High, messing around there. And um, <laughs> what are your early interests, though? What comes? I guess I am going to ask the chicken and egg question. Yeah. What comes first? Because you do, you manage to write about disparate things, but they all add up to a certain lifestyle. So what came? First. Yeah, well, it's Were nice you that you say that. I mean, it's nice if somebody on the outside who doesn't know me say that. So I sometimes feel like it's the honor brownest world, and Still it all makes sense in my brain, but it doesn't always right, make sense. Like, I like when this. I, have I like to, this. Like, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I grew up with an American father and a Swedish mother mm-hmm. um, in uh, out in the country, like, mm-hmm. you know, very sort of barefoot, idyllic, hippie childhood experience. Um and uh, that probably has – I certainly, like, I have a very good relationship with my parents, and they sort of chose an alternative path as well. Like, my mom had gone to law school in Sweden, and then um, she met my dad. He was an exchange student over there, and then they lived there for a few years. And he's like, hey, you want to try living in the U.S.? And she was like, sure, I'm up for adventure. Wow. So then, yeah, she like – So she moved for him. Yeah. It worked. Yeah. And so – good to hear. <laughs> so um, – you know, just growing up with sort of a more, like, European artsy household, I guess. And, and was, that definitely has, like, had a lot of influence. And was there ever a point growing up, though, where... I mean, I, I know that area, and yes, there is that, but there are also pickup trucks and gun racks. Oh, for sure. Was there ever a point where you thought, why do I have to be the weird European kid? Oh, yeah, all the time. I mean, I was joking, like, especially at school. Like, all I wanted was to have, like, normal sandwiches for lunch. I was like that, too. <laughs> I loved reasons. Fridays because Fridays I got to have a school lunch, which, you know, I'm sure my mother at the time was, like, totally horrified when I came home and was like, we had sloppy joes or whatever, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. But during the rest of the week, I had, like, healthy sandwiches with sprouts sticking out. And you can't trade those. No, no, no. You can't no, trade I know. those. And you can't this. hide them, really, either. <laughs> no, experience. no. So that, yeah. But I was interested that you said idyllic and hippie in the same sentence. <laughs> So uh, it sounds like kind of positive. Oh, I had a very positive childhood. Yeah, I think that I was I, – I think as I got older, I got more aware of not feeling like I fit in. Or, I mean, I always felt like I fit in. Like, I played sports, and mm-hmm. I was, like, I never was never bullied or anything like that. But I definitely always felt there was, like, something that I just didn't – Wasn't quite – Wasn't quite getting it. Yeah. yeah. Were you able to straddle both worlds? Yeah. Well, I mean, I actually studied in Sweden my junior year in high school, mm-hmm. and that was actually really – 
that was important for many reasons. But I think in coming back from that, it was kind of nice because it was like I had I had like senioritis paired with I've been abroad for a year and I don't care about things anymore. You know, um, I'm too good for all. Blase travelleritis. <laughs> yeah, which was kind of a funny thing. But I think it just made me made me feel that I could you know, I could be who I wanted to be and that was okay. Well, it seems like I, I did not, maybe you can address this more directly. We should tell Anna that the last time we were at this table having a conversation, we found out that the person we were interviewing, that we went to the same high school and right. that the three of us went to the same junior college. Oh, funny. Just right. <laughs> but I'd say you can speak more directly to the idea of, of what an exchange student experience does to you and yeah. what it feels mm-hmm. like to come back from that. I mean, because I was an exchange student in Norway in high school, yeah. and I came back with actually reverse culture shocks that was almost crippling. Oh, I, I remember we went to, like, I'd gotten back, I was like, it was the summertime, I've been back for like two weeks, and we went to Costco, like my parents and I, oh, for some reason, and I like went in and I just had this moment where I like looked around and I saw a lot of like really overweight people buying like really terrible things to eat. And I saw all these like children who were just being super rude to the family. and I started crying. I just like yeah. lost it. Mm-hmm. And I and my mom was like, take the keys and go back to the car. And so that was like, yeah, definitely. And I but I think like since then it's always been like just finding a balance of that like mm-hmm. how do you channel that like energy and say well i don't feel like i fit in all the time right and then how do you channel that energy in a positive way instead of feeling like overwhelmed by it right so that you and, can't get out of bed in the morning and how do you return back to your regular high school and right. not be totally right. dismissive of everyone right. there well my mom always said to me and i well two things she's always said to me one is that um it would be nice to just have an island in the middle of the atlantic somewhere like somewhere in the middle Right. Mm-hmm. Because wherever you go, you don't feel like you fit in in a way like even her going back to Sweden. She doesn't totally. feel like she fits in because mm. she's been here for so long. Right. Um, and then she's always said to me, like, to have another language is to have another soul. And I really like that. Mm. And I try to keep that in mind as well. And it's just that there are numerous parts of you and you. And that's why I think I'm drawn to people who either have traveled elsewhere or are from elsewhere. I mean, there is kind of a commonality that you find with people who bridge those sort of like multiple identities. What's the connection between you and Paris? Um, well, I was a French major in in college. And then, so I lived, I studied abroad in Strasbourg. And then I, I taught English for a year in Guadeloupe in the Caribbean, which is a French overseas department. Mm-hmm. Um and I definitely would have described myself as a Francophile in college. And then when I lived in France for a while and dated a French guy, I was like, um, oh, peace right. out. I'm done. <laughs> so I went can only go so yeah, far. Yeah, so far. I went to have overheard two French teachers that who taught other subjects, but they were French, who I taught with in high school, speaking to each other in French, saying, uh, oh, you were just in France. How was it? And the one said to the other, it's fine, but there are so many French people there. And she said, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Interesting. <laughs> and they are French, so I'm allowed to repeat that. Right, right, That's sure, hilarious. sure. Yeah, but so I was living in Portland, and I just, um, I don't know, I just needed a change. And I, I do a little bit of, like, documentary film work sometimes in more of a production role. And I had some friends that were working on a project that they needed to go over there. And I was like, you can't go interview people without a French-speaking person, so you should pay for my ticket. I know, I should go. Yeah, oh, so um, I just, cause I have a Swedish passport, so I just got a one-way ticket and was like, well, it's like sublet my apartment, and I was like, oh, I'm just, so I just got to go do something different, um, and then ended up like staying with a friend of mine who is now my husband. Um, American? So, no, French? well, he's French-Australian, okay. but mostly so Australian. Yeah. Yeah. Australian. Yeah. Does he, he have an accent? accent? He has an Australian accent, oh, yeah. And he, so, so he feels like he doesn't fit in anywhere either. <laughs> 
Um, anyway, so that's the Paris connection. So then I was there for a few years. <coughs> oh, so nice. Oh, oh Paris. So I want to live in Paris for a few years. <laughs> I want to have lived in Paris <laughs> in my 20s. Boyfriend. I'm too old now. Um, I know, me too. That's fall in love with a woman that you don't marry. <laughs> That sounds good. Yeah, that's how it's supposed to go. <laughs> Anyways, it's interesting. You, you mentioned your husband just as I was starting to wonder if that proclivity, proclivity to pick up and move made it hard to, to sustain relationships. Well, I mean, I spent most of my 20s in Portland, which mm-hmm. was like full of a bunch of man boys. You know, oh, just, I know. I yeah. lived in Portland for a while. <laughs> but they have such impressive facial hair. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I just enjoyed my 20s mm-hmm. being single and I like... I've never, I mean, the most conventional job that I ever had was like working at a startup magazine. So I've never really had there a is true a nine to five. So I feel like I was always just flexible and mobile and up for anything. And I never felt that that got in the way of any relationships that I had before um, being together with Luke. But. <clears throat> but did you manage to surround yourself with people who were like minded? Yeah. I mean, Portland no. is a pretty creative place. Yeah. There's a lot happening. I don't know when you were living but you there, can, but you can imagine being an artist, writer, chef. All those things could go together. Yeah. Right. But my point being, even in a creative atmosphere, there's a, usually a preponderance of careerists. Yeah. And it sounds yeah. like that's not where you were going. No, but I mean, I think I've always struggled. I mean, I struggle with imposter syndrome a lot, and I struggle a lot with, like, I should be doing. And I'm trying really hard right now to focus on I am versus I should, because mm-hmm. I think that's really important. Because you so, seem to do a lot. Of yeah, stuff. but see, then on on my internal, like in my internal self, I'm like, I'm not doing enough. What am I? What have I done in the last week? You know, I mean, it's just like, wow, so many books you've had come out in the past few years. <laughs> I know you've written well, two I books just a year. It's so easy for us. You know, how we feel inside is usually not how people see us externally, and I think that's why it's important to spend time with other people. Because if you get too far, I mean, any writer knows that you spend too much time with yourself and in your brain. That's and why like, we're at the well, product. You need some reality. And it's like you said first thing. Sometimes it's good to have other people. People take a look and you go, here's what yeah, you're doing. Totally. Oh, I am? Great. Yeah, no, fantastic. I just, see, I just see the bigger picture. I mean, you said to me when you were coming in um, that you live in, you mm-hmm. live back in your hometown, right? Yeah. Which is kind of rural or at yep. least it's not urban. How is that? But you're, I mean, your husband's an expat mm-hmm. and you're world traveled. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, well, we had gotten to a place in Paris where it was just, we were done with that. That felt like that was coming to an end and we wanted to leave before we hated it too much. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we didn't want to have that sort Larry, of no good thinking. Self. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> Larry's, Larry's having issues with San Francisco. Uh, but I mean, don't people have issues anywhere yes. that they live yeah, too, you know? Probably. Anyway, there's a whole other discussion. But yeah. anyway, I'll just say that, um, yeah, we just did the opportunity presented itself to move back to my hometown, and um, my parents are still in good health, and I thought it would be nice mm-hmm. to live cl- – I'm an only child, so I thought it would be nice to live close to them and get to enjoy that Well, instead right. of, like, coming home for an emergency or, you know, mm-hmm. as they get older. And um, Was there any culture shock there coming from – Paris. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Rural Puget Sound. I mean, I think because I grew up in the rural Puget Sound, and like certainly that's a little bit where we are. It's kind of a bit of a bubble. Um, they felt very like comforting in some ways, and then, yeah, super weird in other ways. But yeah. we live like, you know, we live two miles from the little town center, so we do all of our day to day stuff by bike. And people think we're totally nuts because of it. Oh, really? They're like, I'm I surprised. can't believe you biked here. Even and, I, in the rain. and I'm like, two I can't miles. believe you drove here because at least. It's two miles, and I got some yeah. exercise. So that's been, like, a fun experience to just be, like, the freaks. That's actually you know? one of my fears about leaving <laughs> the city is that I like to ride my bike everywhere, yeah. and I'm afraid if I don't live in the city, I won't. But maybe there's other places you could do that. Yeah. Maybe with less hills. 
(laughs) But I think, like, the world... I mean, I really wanted to be out of the city because I'm a very, like... I just experienced a lot of sensory overload. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I felt that leaving the city would be good for me because it would just let me to have a little bit more space in my brain. But then now the flip side of that is that I feel like I have a lot of space but then lack stimulation sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I lack community with people that are doing sort of similar things that I might um, get energy from. You know, so it's... there's. There's always two. Well, I'd say you have a better chance of finding that in rural Puget Sound area than you would in rural Kentucky. Oh, totally. I mean, it's still yeah. Washington, yeah. <laughs> um, since you brought up the bike, let's go to the bike then. Where yes, does nice. the bike interest come from? Um, well, my dad, well, definitely from my father. I mean, that's who I did all my cycling with when I was younger. He got into cycling just because he had some back issues, and his physical therapist at some point was like, we should start cycling. So that's he just, crazy. That seems yeah, like that the seems opposite. I know. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> just, <laughs> who knows? Just to interject that. <laughs> but he started cycling much. So we actually, um, we did a lot of riding on a tandem when I was younger. Oh, that's what? very cute. Yeah. Oh, my God, and I've got some pretty blown. awesome photos of us. And it was good? It wasn't horrible? It was great. It was a blue burly with bright pink, like, cables. And then, of course, and then of course, like, I was, like, eight or nine at the time. So I even started on a kid back, which if you're not right. familiar with what a kid back is, it's, like, there's essentially an extension on the chain ring in the back so right. that, you know, your little kid legs can reach pedals. <laughs> um, and, yeah, so the bike was blue with these, like, pink cables. And then at our local bike shop, we got these, like, matching blue and pink. It was the 90s. Like, yeah. We got these matching blue and pink hats. And then at some point, I convinced my father that we should get <laughs> these matching jerseys, which were like <laughs> Mickey and Minnie standing in front of the Arc de Triomphe, like as if they just like ridden on the tour. And oh, so that's like whoa. what we wrote it. Yeah. That's what happened. That's, that's what, what happens. you do when you have kids. That's what you do. Okay. Yeah. Sure. It's pretty funny to think of now. So yeah, we um, we did like Seattle to Portland five times. On that's the, the STP. That's the for STP. Oh, right. You yeah. mentioned that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, the little two hundred miles. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I, I love sometimes doing it. see Super people fun. on tandems when I'm at events, and I think, how do they stay married, or how do they? But the father daughter even more like it was fun. I'm so happy to hear that it was yeah. good. And I think I don't know. I always say that my father just. Like, I think he did such a good job of empowering me as, like, a woman, but not because it was like, you're a girl and you can do anything you want. It was just like, let's just do cool right, stuff together because we're, we're humans that have fun and, like, and you know, what do you want to do? I don't know. It sort of always felt that... Yeah, that was that was just a source. And, and of how great for energy. him that he was already a bicycle enthusiast, and he gets to bring you along. Yeah, yeah. So I think he. I mean, he always gets thank yous, and, and like my mom often gets thank yous with anything that's related to like Swedish or food writing, and then he always gets thank yous for like the bike stuff. Oh, it's <laughs> nice though. I love that. Yeah. So now that you're here, you've got sort of a three-headed area of interest. You're the Swedish bike riding epicure. <laughs> French speaking. French speaking, Swedish. Bicycling. Where does the art come from? My mom. Artist. Mm-hmm. Artist. It's yeah. a five-headed thing. And actually, can you say something about your current project? Because of course, I'm very interested. Yeah, in that. I even actually have it with me, so I can show oh, it to you. Yeah. yeah. See it. So I, um, I also work as a paper cut artist. So I basically, make illustrations from one piece of paper and then and a knife. <laughs> and it's really miraculous. You have to see them. To oh, thank how you. How gorgeous they are, and also portraits. Yeah. So I started doing this thing. Well, I was actually kind of inspired by so. My mother is, like, very jealous that I get to meet you in person. Oh, my God. That's oh, incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Larry's we laughing, love, you guys. We love your book that so much. That is so great. That is fantastic. Um, I, and I kind of felt going I in. I get to hang out with her all the time. <laughs> I know. And he's not respectful of that enough, in my opinion. <laughs> I love it. Um, I just... They, 
there was something about I was thinking about things that I wanted to do for this year and I wanted to because I've done books I like longer term projects because yeah. we live in such a short attention span short project world that I always like having something to work on that's longer just be, for my own sanity um, and I remember reading through your book and I was and that was actually like last summer that I was reading through it but then I'd, I'd taken it back up over like Christmas and um, was just reading through it and just was kind of feeling this like energy of women that just felt important. Um, and I don't even know how it... Oh, also I follow... Um, the other inspiration was um, a woman who runs an account on Instagram called Unsung Heroines. Oh, um, her name is Molly. I don't know how to pronounce her last name, but it's spelled S-C-H-I-O-T. So she wrote a book last year, maybe, that's profiles of um, women athletes. Oh, yes. Sort of I have, have heard of yeah. this book. Yep. So... So th- that was kind of a source of inspiration as well. And so I thought, well, it'd be neat to sort of pair portraits of women with things that they've said. Because I sort of thought about it as like, if I were to get wisdom from other women from the past or from the present, or like, what's the tidbit that I would want to take home? Right. So, um, the, so they are portraits, they're cut portraits yeah. of women from history with a quote by them. Yeah. And they're so beautiful. So it's called, so I'm calling it the Women's Wisdom Project and I committed to doing a hundred this year. That blows my mind. And I've done 12 so far. So. (laughs) Now when you take on a big project like this, and I'm going to get to the books eventually, but when you take on a big project and you're ready to invest this amount of time, do you think in terms of will this pay enough to make this worth it? Or do you just do it? I just do it. This one, this, I mean, often I think with big projects, I often don't realize they're a big project until mm. I've like oh. started a doing a thing. Portraits? Well, no, I realize that, <laughs> but I just think often I just start doing something yeah. and I'm like, oh, oh, now it's a thing. Okay, yeah. great. But this one in particular, I knew that I wanted to do it regardless, but I thought, because I do a little bit of indie publishing as well, so I also publish a zine called Comestible. So I do have yes. some experience with like layout and printing yep. things and selling things, and I thought, well, there's prob and since I do some of my own paper cuts as prints and sell them, um, I thought, well, there's probably some interest in some of this as like postcards or whatever. Oh, so I thought, sure. you know what? I thought I know I'm going to do it regardless, but I'll put together a Kickstarter page, um, a campaign, just so that I can get, you know, yeah. some cash and to some, and some be buy-in. able to eat and some right. buy-in. And that was like that was more the thing actually. It was like, well, it'd be cool to get people excited about a thing, and then they follow along during the project, right. and they can say who inspires them as women. So it's like a little bit more collaborative. So that did. So I just kind of launched that Kickstarter because I thought, well, I definitely want to do like a set of cards and it would be nice to at least have the money to print those mm-hmm. cards. And that Kickstarter did very well. I can see why. You seem like someone who'd be in Patreon. <laughs> I've thought she? about it. Yeah. Yeah. I've thought about it. Um, well, let's, you know, we're almost halfway through, so let's let's get to the writing part. So yeah. where does the writing start, and when do these when does the pentad of interests become books? Yeah, that's a great question. What had you been writing before you decided, you know, I'm going to write six books in five years? <laughs> As one does. Wow. Yeah. I guess when you put it that way, it does sound more impressive than when I think it's about impressive. it in my own brain. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Um, I, I mean, I've always... <laughs> um, Tell your I've mom always that's what she does. I can't pick up a cup without hitting the mic. Um, I've always like. I've always enjoyed writing. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I think when I was younger, it just came really easily to me. Is it something that you got positive feedback for when you were younger? I ask pretty much everyone on this show that. Yeah, I mean, I was a really good student. You know, I got two A minuses in high school, which kept me from being valedictorian. But you know, 
Who's not bitter still, right? Yeah, not bitter. <laughs> I got, no, not at all. I got, I got a B plus in grad school. That's why I decided not to get my PhD. Well, see, the problem is she <laughs> turned something in, and the, the sprouts had squished yeah, exactly, onto the page. Exactly, but it wasn't perfect. Right. Yeah. Wow. No, actually, actually, one of the A minuses came from my AP history class, which um, I was AP US history, and I really wanted to take that class, and that was the class that was offered the year I was in Sweden. So I took it as a senior with a class full of juniors, and I was really good friends with the teacher. And at the end of the semester, he was like, really? Like, this is one of the A-minuses that kept you from, like, we could have just had a chat. And I was like, yeah, but I wasn't about to, like, come grovel oh, for a better grade. You are so and, the like other, and the other A-minus, yeah, not bitter about this at all, no, clearly. No, no, I know. The other yeah. A-minus was... are handling it really well. <laughs> um, was I was taking French, and I had taken a French class <gasps> oh when I gosh. was in Sweden, and, like, the language level there, language education is so much better. So yeah. I came back and was just, like, bored out of my mind in my yeah. French class. So I had been asked if I wanted to work on the senior mur- mural project which with a bunch of other artistic creative kids. And I was like, yeah, I totally want to do that. So I convinced my French teacher to give me, like, independent study for that level of French. And essentially, instead of going to French class during that period, I would just go and paint. And um, I just very French. Yeah, very <laughs> French. And so I basically just had to, like, read a couple of French books and write some reports and take some tests kind of on my own time. But I don't think that she... She was, probably just felt like she, she couldn't give you an yeah, age. Right, yeah, she right. wasn't into that. So those are my two minuses. Uh-huh. Anyway, I'll just say that I was a good student. You're a good student, and you were getting <laughs> I, some positive you, feedback as a writer. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I read an article last year that was it was actually about why writers have a tendency to procrastinate, but it sort of went into... Did it tell you what to do? Well, no, but it was actually more about how write, often writers that are professional writers... They were good students in like high in you know, elementary school and then high school, and then they got to college and they were like still pretty good, a little bit harder, a little bit more competition. But then they got to the job market, and now it's all the smart kids, you know, vying for attention and like oh. trying to beat each other out. And that the procrastination part of it comes from just if you haven't done the thing yet, you can't say that it's bad or good because it oh. doesn't exist. Perfectionism is Perfectionism. really always the source yeah. of those kinds of And that writer was saying what is bad about the school system, and I would agree, is that we reward kids for being smart, mm-hmm. not necessarily for putting in the hard work. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree. Yeah. yeah, that's And true. I think that's certainly, I suffer from that now because one. it's hard for me, like when I have to, Things have always come easy for me, most things. So when I really have to struggle with something and really sit down with it and take time, that is a difficult um, exercise for me. If there's one thing it took me a long time to learn, it's that good grades are actually a better indicator of success than test scores. Mm. Really? I think so, because these good grades require work. Test scores don't require work. Standardized test scores, I always did well on tests, but not so good in classes in high school because I didn't ever do any work. Me too. Oh, this is yeah. what I'm saying. But oh, I thought I about that in relationship to writing, too, because I think often when we talk about, you know, the creative process, whatever creative aspect that is, but, you know, to try to remove ourselves from the end product. Because if we don't enjoy the it's process the along way the way, it yeah, it's like if you were just married to the success of the end product, I mean, most of us would just not be doing what we do because we've all had something that was terrible, <laughs> why right? Are you, why are you looking at me? <laughs> wearing it, Larry. Um, lately, here's how I handle procrastination. I text Larry how much I hate writing. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, I don't know why lately you've been on my like 
complaining time time list. wasting list. Yeah, sorry. Because <laughs> you know I'm always available to waste time. <laughs> but uh, my other um, this is like pro tip. My other procrastination tip. Yours maybe to make art when you should be writing, but art is also part of your. Oh, yeah. I mean, maybe that's why I have like ensured that art is part of my paycheck, right? Because so it's easier for me to sit down and like cut a piece of paper than it is to sit down and write words. Right. But if you were an artist, <laughs> right, if that was what you had to do. You might find it easier to do the writing. Mm-hmm. So I do this thing where I. Uh, I call it, um, I can't remember what I call it, but anyway, it's, um, oh, productive procrastination. That's what I call it. Uh, so I do other things that suddenly seem more interesting mm-hmm. or easier or better yeah. research. But or, you make sure that they have something to do with I something. I try to keep it in the realm of I'm getting something done. So you're not actually shoe shopping. Like one writer was saying that she's like, I end up <laughs> going online like Zappos and shopping yeah. for shoes. And, I do try not to do that. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I'm actually pretty okay about that, especially if I have a project I'm working on. But like when I was doing broad strokes, I did all of my reproduction rights when I should have been writing. Because yeah. that suddenly, this like well, it's still part of something you need to do. Though. Right, and it's so yeah. boring. Yeah. And if I had to do that, I would not want to do it. But because I was not writing, right. I was like, oh, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I, I I listened. There was a wait, wait, don't tell me um, episode with they were interviewing Nora Roberts, who you know was like crazy prolific. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and Peter Sagal was like, so do you ever experience writer's block? And just totally deadpan, she's like, I don't believe in writer's block. I, I know people say, that and all he's the like, time. he's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, better to write something terrible than nothing, hmm. you know. And I do like try no to comment. think about that. Is like yeah. at least forward movement. Like it's perhaps something. the sentence that you've put down is, and you know, I, it's like it's one thing to say it and one thing to do it. And like as I sat on my computer the other day and was like trying to write something that I needed to do, and was just sitting there like, I can't do this. I'm terrible. I don't know what I'm doing. Right. And it's like instead of like listening to my own advice and being like, just write some. Just, just yeah. put any word oh, down write a on letter, the page. Write an email. And I always say, yeah. like, my little mantra to myself is, I will hate myself at the end of the day if there's nothing here. And if there's total shit here, I still can, like, leave with some self-respect. Well, yeah. So just hearing you talk about your process and, and dealing with writing, it sounds like something that was your goal could easily have been your goal all along, something you're taking very seriously. But tell me then, you know, how do we get to these books? Um... Well, actually, I mean, I can tell you what happened. Mm-hmm. It's pretty, yeah. So the first book, Culinary Cyclist, that was born out of just a conversation with a friend of mine who was running a small um, publishing operation in Portland that was all bike books. But what sort of writing had you been doing at that point? I had, I after I graduated, taught English, like I said, in Guadeloupe. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I just started doing a lot of like kind of travel writing. So I just, it was kind of like the early days of that sort of mm-hmm. online I don't know, community of that type of a thing. What year is this? That would have been 2006. 2006. Yeah. Um, So, and then I, like, got an essay published in a book. It was, like, women's, it was called, like, a women's world again or something. I don't remember. But that was kind of exciting. Yeah. And then I just kept writing sort of off and on. And then when I moved back, I ended up working for a magazine. So there was always this sort of writing I was always writing in some way, shape, or form. But was there a point, and and I have a feeling I already know the answer to this, where you said, all right, I'm a writer. This is how I'm going to make my living. It took me a really long time to even be able to say I'm a writer, and I still sometimes... I know, you didn't say that with real conviction Uh, just now, even. It's hard, but it's so... It's like like we all need permission to call ourselves a thing. We had to call ourselves whatever we want to. Like, where's the the, the burden of entry? You get over this. Now you can say, oh, you've published, now you can say I'm going to tell you that if you have published six books, you can say I'm a writer. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm yeah. just letting you know. Yeah, thank you. I do appreciate sure. that. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I, I yeah, I that know, was hard I know for me. Exactly, what you're talking. Yeah, about. yeah, it was hard for me yeah. for a long time. But the books, sure. I think I always had in my head that it would be fun to have a book published. I mean, and I think yeah. a lot of people have that, even yeah. if they're not writers. What yeah. about the process of actually writing the book? How prepared were you to do that? Not. <laughs> then how'd that go? I just drank a lot of coffee. That's what I yeah. do too. That's what Balzac did as well. Yeah, I. I don't know. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I feel like those types of things. Also, because book publishing, if you're not a writer or not in the book world, is so intimidating and overwhelming mysterious. And, and mysterious, yeah. and there's an unknown. Well, I, I got news for you. It's pretty <laughs> mysterious and intimidating if you are a writer. Well, yeah, definitely. Too. But I think that, like the only, I mean, like the main takeaway from any project I've worked on is like you just got to jump in and do it. Unfortunately, like there's like for me at least, there's no secret tip. It's like you just. I have to show I up. I completely agree. Nike had it right from the very beginning. Just do it. Yeah. Just do it. Truly. Yeah. Truly. But I mean, you know, of course, there's then the world of like pitching projects and that stuff. That right. That's a whole other thing, which I also have, don't feel great at. How, how much experience have you had with that? Because now you say your first book came out of a conversation yeah. that may in retrospect have been a pitch. Yeah. But I don't know if you're aware of that's what it was at the time. No, I, I had said to this friend of mine, oh, you should publish a book about food and bikes. And she said, oh, well, you should just write it. So, and and that was a small, and I think I, I was not I'm still intimidated for that by that. Conversation. I was not intimidated by that because it was a small publishing mm-hmm. company, and you um, knew her, and I knew her. Right. So yeah, the stakes weren't super high. Yeah, but then so Fika was my other. I would say that was my first major book, mm-hmm. and that one. Just, and was that with Ten Speed or was that, that was also, with Ten Speed? Yeah. yeah. So that just I just t- saw Scandinavian food kind of getting more popular, and I thought, oh well, there's this coffee tradition, and I'm just going to put together this proposal, and then I reached out to my friend Johanna who's Swedish and an illustrator and asked if she wanted to work on it with me. So I I mean literally I just like googled how to pitch a book. And then I mean this wow. is like this is like that 2011 is or 12. And um yeah, went to the and I had a friend who had published a book and she said, "Well, I'll send you my proposal that I did and you can mm-hmm. just like copy the skeleton of it. Like, you know, have the same sections, you know, like that is and that's right. what I did. Yeah, that's and I literally went to Kinko's and like made you know fifteen color copies of this proposal and like oh, and cold them mailed out. them, cold mailed them, not to agents or to. So I did some reached out to one agent, and then they were upset that I had already sent them out to publishing oh. houses. Because that's what yeah. the agents for, right? Because that's what the agents for, and then <laughs> by. By just serendipity or luck or just right time, right place, whatever you want to call things. it. Yeah, yeah. My editor at Ten Speed, Caitlin, it the proposal had ended up at like the top of the stack that the intern was supposed to go through of all the unsolicited manuscripts, and there was somebody at the company that had some sort of Swedish connection, so they had just been talking about Fika like a few weeks before. So there had been like a mention, and Caitlin saw it and was like, oh, that looks interesting. Fika, I I take a look is. at it. That's not serendipity. That's you knowing what sells. <laughs> Yeah. That's, that's true. You, ha- yeah. you having timing and yeah, you the understanding timing, what's the happening. The timing was right. like it's, impactful. It's both. Yeah. I mean, I think that's yeah. that's the part that is impossible to to get your hands around is your arms around, whatever the phrase is, is your head around. that yeah. you have to have good work, timing, and luck. Right. Yeah. Like, well, and so much of the publishing world is timing. I mean, yes. you know. It, oh, I know. It's like. You could come up with an idea, and then it could be a great idea, but it could have already been done or already in the works for and next year and not for three years. Time, yeah. And so you could miss yeah. the curve. You could hit yep. it just right. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's and that's why, like, 
hard work not paying off, quote unquote, in the form of a book has absolutely nothing to do with the value of the work. I 100% agree. Right. And that's a mantra we all say. And most of us, we believe it most of the time. Most of the time. Yeah, of course. Of course. And then I think we, it's so easy to then start to struggle with, like when you're having to, so I don't have a book project right now that I'm working Mm -hmm. on, nor do I have a pitch. I don't have anything. I don't even have, I mean, I have like some inklings of ideas, but not really. How does that feel? It feels terrible. Yeah. I feel like I should. Mm -hmm. Again, this gets into the I should instead of I am. Right. Mm-hmm. And that is intimidating. And then you start to think like, what if I never have another creative idea again? Oh, I know. I have that every <laughs> single time I write. Every single time. It's like, yeah. I don't know how to do it. Yeah. I don't. I did it once, but it was because it was an accident. Because it was a fluke or like right. it just came and together. I don't know how to write it all. Yeah. It's not a finite thing that you use up. There's more. I, I yeah. know. Well, you know that. Definitely. But does that never happen to you that you just think like, how I am I going to? Because you I write, mean, well, I think you write more. Yeah. Because you write like I just things that happen all the time. Anything, yeah. Is that true? Yeah, it's true. Okay, we need to talk about this. It's Let's been... psychoanalyze you next time. Oh. Uh, we'll wait till next time. I really want to do that, though. <laughs> Write that down. That's our next To topic. do today. Next yeah, to do. Psychoanalyze Larry. Uh, <laughs> so once you have these two books under your belt, and, and the second one that I just forgot the name. Lagom. No, no. Lagom. Oh. oh, Fika? Fika. Mm-hmm. Uh, how was that received? Great. I mean, I think, again, okay. timing was really good. So now you've got some good momentum. Yeah, so now I have good momentum. That, I actually worked on that book. That was when I had moved to Paris. And, oh, I, and then I'd, I'd gotten the book. I'd gotten the, like, offer just before I'd left. So now I'm, like, in Paris, like, working on a In your garret, right? Oh, my God. It's a dream. Now she's <laughs> in Paris working on her book know, project. She's the life. But you're not illustrating it. You know, I assumed you had illustrated it. I did, too. It. No, it's Johanna. She's uh-huh. very talented. Yeah, her stuff's amazing. Um, and what? she's a really, she's a great recipe developer, too. And then can I ask oh, why you handy. don't? Why I don't illustrate? Yeah. Why you don't do a book where you're doing everything? Well, so that's you're going to laugh at me. Well, that's not how it works, one. But two, I also don't think I'm a great drawer. <laughs> but the, which is why I do paper cuts, because there's something, ma- but, there's something okay. magic about the paper that just your expectations are different but than I when you're drawing see, with but pencil. But the thing about the paper is that it will print so fantastic. Like yeah. You yeah. illustrate with paper cuts. Yeah, easier. definitely. No, I mean, I've considered it, but it's not something that, yeah. I've, that I've done. Yeah. Um, I just I just worked on some paper cuts for a book project that's not mine. So that's kind of exciting. It's yeah. my first illustration thing. So I'm. it's something I'm open to doing. I just haven't, haven't pursued it. it. Yeah, I haven't tackled it. Just for the general audience, <laughs> one thing that's worth knowing is, um, because I've had people ask me for advice before about sending in work with an illustrator, oh, uh-huh. and that it is um, much more common to have them be separate than yep. come together. Yes. So you don't necessarily need to find an illustrator for your book yep. if you want an illustrated book. In mm. fact, sometimes, yeah, I actually, so Hello Bicycle is another book published um, by 10 Speed, and I had actually, um, I had a good friend who's an illustrator who I kind of wanted to do the illustrations for that and then um, just in talking with 10 speed it, they just wanted we just wanted kind of a different vibe to those mm-hmm. illustrations um, and so we ended up choosing James to do the illustration I love his stuff um, mm-hmm. but yeah. it was such a different vision from what I originally had and yet another like time where the publishing house they just have a they're sometimes really clued in to that stuff in Absolutely. terms of what works well. And sometimes and they so, have their own people that they've worked with a lot exactly. that they want to have mm-hmm. that kind of look yeah. or whatever it is. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's an easier way to go than thinking you have to have illustrations to send in with your proposal. Yeah, definitely not. There. But but you could also put together, it's like something that I've been encouraged to do before is to put together more of like a mood board. Yes, Like, I, I want this to be illustrated mm. and these are the styles like of illustrations that I think thing. would work yeah. well. Yeah. Mm. I think that's smart too. Yep. Yeah. 
What Larry, Larry's speechless. <laughs> Pregnant pause. Well, no, I didn't want to interrupt that train of thought, but I had something else that I, so I'm just going to go for it. It's going to go my way. Do it, do it. Uh, because I want to trace, we're actually getting to about the last 10 minutes or so, and I want to trace, you know, this, this arc of books. Yep. As I started saying, Fika brought you some momentum. Mm-hmm. What do you do with that afterwards? I just keep running. Just don't stop. It's mm-hmm. very unsweetish. <laughs> it gets very not long. How did you remain balanced? Um, not a lot. It's a good, I mean, I, I am pretty. Uh, I'm getting better at balance, but mm-hmm. I've not always been great at it. And what is what has been what say. determines? We had, you know we started out. I started out by saying, oh, you follow your bliss. You write about what interests mm-hmm. you. But what was driving where you went after that book? Well, I think what's difficult about something like that is then it's so easy to get pigeonholed pretty quickly, right? On what you do, and I've thought about that a lot, particularly in thinking about potentially what comes next and it's like do i want to be a cookbook author i don't think that i do right i think i i love having food as an element but i personally don't see my career as being writing cookbooks so that's something that's good to just acknowledge mm-hmm. yeah um, and have in yeah. mind and then it's like do i want to do more swedish lifestyle scandinavian stuff is that what i want to be known mm-hmm. for or the resource on or are there other things that i want to pursue so i'm like constantly thinking about that well do and, you feel like that's a double-edged sword like if you do decide hey i'm going to be the world's foremost swedish lifestyle author then you're the world's foremost swedish right. lifestyle you're the world's foremost something right instead of being perceived as oh she dabbles in all sorts of yeah. different stuff do you weigh those two? Oh, all the time in my head. Yeah. And I think anybody who is more of a generalist has mm-hmm. that, um, just has that thing of, of almost feeling like, oh, because I do a lot of things, I do none of them I super well. Yeah. And that can be hard. Yeah. And then, and then it's like, well, would it be better for me career wise to be super well known? But also, right. if I was super well known in that category, would I then only get to work on those things? And then maybe I'd be bored out of my mind. Do you think it'd be easier to become an expert on one thing? I think it would depend on what it is. Mm-hmm. But I think, like, whatever I do, I always sort of have that. I think a lot of people do struggle with that sort of imposter syndrome. I think of, it's a very common thing. It's the second time you've brought that yeah, up. And yeah, and even. Let's talk about this. Well, because I recently. Yes, yeah. Let's. I recently did a workshop with a bunch of other kind of creative entrepreneurial women. And I, you know, going into it, it's that classic thing of what you see on the outside. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, well, she does this and she does this and they're all amazing, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, oh, God, what am I doing? And, I, <laughs> and then when you talk about it, you realize everybody's experiencing that same feeling. And yeah. I think it's kind of like no matter what you do or how well known you are or what experience or you always right. feel that there's something they're missing, that maybe you're not allowed to be doing the thing. But the secret is that everybody feels that way. Around, and it's all just fake it till you make it. Around here, we call that vetting lunch at the grotto. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was going to say, that's one of the benefits to the grotto. But you've also mentioned sometimes that can be the... Yeah, when I came in the for my... They, you know, you... They get your name, you know, you apply, and then you come in for lunch. And it's usually there's a couple of you that come in to get vetted, basically. Uh-huh. And I See came we in. Don't like you. Right. And the <laughs> woman to my right was also in, and, and she said, well, tell you know what you're up to to her. And she said, well, I've got a three-book deal. And I was like, oh, God, I have a falafel and I'm sweating on the podcast. <laughs> I had the exact same thing, really, right? Yeah, and I think everyone has yeah. that same yeah. version that, of that. Yeah. The woman who went before me told me – I was between two women. One had just gotten out of being embedded with troops in Iraq <laughs> and then at the Harvard Neiman. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, had a Neiman Fellowship. And then the other woman had just published a book on MFK Fisher and had been done all of her research at, oh at Harvard. And I know I was like, oh, yeah, my yeah. God, I suck. But if that's a concern of yours, then it is interesting that you chose – um, consciously to not become an expert in a field. 
Yeah. Well, I don't know if that's something I even chose consciously. I think I just yeah. have a personality. I'm always been always been interested in a multitude of things. Mm-hmm. So I I think that's more of a personality thing than something that I actively but you decided still, upon. But, but I think you still could have chosen like. Hey, this. Uh, I'm going to ride this. I'm going to flog this I'm horse. Ride this, oh, yeah. this yeah. Swedish thing. I'm going to get an IKEA yeah. contract, and maybe I will. I mean, who knows? Yeah, yeah, that IKEA. There's contract. always tomorrow. You know, there's always, like, always something different to tomorrow. Yeah, it's it's a good question. I don't know. Have you seen the Square? I haven't seen it yet. It's a Swedish movie about no. the art world. Oh, anyway. Oh, but She's I'm going to put it down. Well, no, it was a, <laughs> IKEA was part of that. But just how there is a kind of Scandinavian moment happening right there now. There is, for sure. And this would be the time to jump on that bandwagon. Definitely. Maybe. But, um, yeah. What I actually think that the thing that came out of writing Logum that I'm, like, the most excited about right now is just being... I feel like that just really solidified how I feel about slow living and yes. finding well, more balance. And that, to me, and, and and creativity and making time and space for that type of thing, that's the thing that I'm the most excited about right now. And that is not Scandinavian in and of itself. Right. Like, that's not a Swedish thing. It's just a, a thing that 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 ideal kind of represents and that's a, a thing that I'm interested in exploring. <clears throat> well, I was going to say that really, that, that really ups the ante. You know, we're not mm. talking about coffee breaks anymore. Right. We're talking about the big issues, right. life balance. Right. And, and I, I, it seems timely to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's yes. the stuff I'm excited about. I mean, I do always like to say that talking about life balance comes with privilege. Um, I mean, you know, life yeah. balance, if we can talk about life balance or, or you know, work life balance or whatever, it means that we have food on the table right. and a roof over our heads. And I do like to be really conscious of that because not everyone is in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that in this like crazy, frenetic, chaotic world that we live in, clearly a lot of us are not doing a right. great job at like and, living our lives. You know, and on the other, if you're writing for that audience, you're writing yeah. for that audience. Yeah. And the other side of it is uh, a societal intention in that direction mm-hmm. can change it for everyone. Yeah. And when that is valued, we don't value rest. No, no we do not. Um, <laughs> you know, that's just a fact. And when that can be built into a society's fabric a little bit, that helps everyone or hopefully yeah. helps everyone. Well, and it is quite, I, how it could be. I think that I is quite like community driven in that sense. Right. Like right. it's individual in the sense that you're considering what your own balance is, and but you're also thinking about what your impact is and what you're taking and what you're giving. And that has a community benefit, right. um, which is also why I think Logom in and of itself is a bit anti-American because we're, right. we're very... You know, American idealism, American dream. It's very me-driven. It's very yeah. stri- it's stri- yeah. stri- striving, striven? striving. Oh, striving, for sure. Yeah. I think it's yeah, we strive. all about striving. We strive. Yeah, we and, strive. And, and so it's it's more focused on future self, who I will be, who I will become, how I will be happy when I reach the next thing, not like today I am in this place and this and is who I am and where it. I am. Yeah, I think that's one of the things I found the most nourishing about being a high school student in Norway was that everyone wasn't talking about where they were going to college and worrying mm-hmm. about that. And people think that's a new thing that was like that in the eighties too. Do you tour for these books? Um, yeah, a little bit actually for hello bicycle. I actually biked 
Uh, my husband oh. and I biked from our house up in Washington down to San Francisco. It was two summers oh, ago. Oh, that's right. You told I me that. You mentioned that in the intro. You did mention <laughs> that in the intro. We did some yeah, stops along the way. That was super fun. That's I do a little idea. bit. Um, I mean, I think as a lot of writers who have books will know, like some a lot of that is just like an independent hustle of like putting together events when right, you're in right. a place. And sometimes it's I have like energy that for, for that. All writers. Yeah. So would, sometimes I have energy for that, and other times I don't. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, awesome. I love that. I would wonder for Logum. I'm going to misprint. No, that's it. Really? Good for me. Um, that there would be opportunities to, if not do, you know, bookstore tours, get sort of dialogue going. Yeah, those I'm sorts actually, of events. definitely. I'm actually doing an event in April. There's a Scandinavian center just outside of Boston. Um, so I'm going to do a logum event, but then... You're not riding your bike there. I'm not riding my bike there, no. That would be amazing, that would, though. That would be the wrong time of year Cold. to do it, though, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. but um, so I'm actually going to pair that with a paper-cutting workshop because I do... So in Swedish, there's a word called pussel, mm-hmm. and it's the idea of just, like, messing with like kind of just using your hands to do it like for a craft or um but not necessarily with like an end project in mind that's it's just booked right there yeah so, so it'll be the new wabi sabi <laughs> it's, it's unfortunately it just wasabi. i think the wabi sabi isn't that it in japanese obviously well, yeah. yeah um but anyway so pairing like the two things together which i think works so that maybe is what I should be focusing more on because that seems to make sense in my mind and people seem excited about it. And just to wrap it up, so do you think of all this is sort of born a specific worldview? Are you developing a worldview? Yeah, I mean, I definitely have a worldview. It's not always so positive. (laughs) (laughs) Dystopian's very big right now as well. Dystopian too, that'll be your Um, next one. (laughs) You know, I think that the best that we all can do is show up every day with ourselves, with our community, with our families, and just to do better tomorrow than we did today. Because big change doesn't happen overnight, but small change does. Um, That's kind of my worldview right now, and I feel like that maybe fits into a lot of what I do. That's lovely. It is. It's a nice common thread, and we will close on that. So... Anna, how can they find you on the uh, World Wide Web? Yeah, so my website is AnnaBronis.com. So nice. a a n n a b r o n e s pretty straightforward dot com economical yeah. um, and then like all the social media handles are essentially that too so, so Instagram on yeah, us yeah <laughs> and then also um, I also pub- we didn't really talk about it but I published a small zine about food <laughs> right. called comestible um, and and that is kind of fun to check out too so that's comestible journal can you spell com. that yeah comestible is c o m e s t i b l e journal dot com and I highly recommend Anna's Anna's website um, to see the uh, portraits, paper cut portraits of great women. There you go, BQ. I want to for the very you? first time, Larry. Yeah. Thank our new partners, new fabulous partners. Hey. The San Francisco Public Library, who will we, we will be doing a live event with on May 22nd with Vanessa Waugh. More our, information forthcoming. Yeah, as our star. And also to Babylon Salon, San Francisco's premier literary series. And you can find out more information about Babylon Salon at BabylonSalon.com. And also, if you happen to be in the Boise, Idaho area, oh, yes. March twenty well fourth and twenty fifth, we will be doing live podcast at Storyfort. Again, more information to follow. And you can check out the Storyfort website. Storyfort dot Yeah, they got a lot going on. Got lot Boise going is on. going to be happening. Boise is always happening. That's where everybody from Seattle is going. 
Is it because Seattle's too expensive? Seattle's done. We're oh, that's why they're soon. going forever, not just for Story Fort. No, forever, but probably oh, yeah. for Story Fort. Yeah. yeah. Well, they have yeah. a big literary music thing they going do. on. They do. You'll see firsthand. You'll see for yourself. When is Montana going to happen like that, I wonder? It Maybe Missoula eventually. already is. Missoula, yeah. It's happening. Okay. Um, I also want to thank uh, Lorianne Doyle, Beth Weingartner, and Lee Kravitz, who are our producers, and Sugartown, who does our music. And how about your website and stuff? Well, because I don't have a name like on a premise. <laughs> Mine is BridgetQuinnAuthor.com. And at BeQuinterest is my handle for everything else. I'm, of course, at that Larry Rosen for everything. I don't have my own website, but my other podcast does. It's www.isitgoodforthejews.com. That's it for us, I believe. Oh, we have. A- what? Your, we also have Twitter and stuff. The oh, uh, pods oh, the yeah, podcast yeah. we're the doing now, the Grotto Pod, at the Grotto Pod for Twitter. Oh, right. I couldn't imagine what uh, you were GrottoPod.com. I know, you guys. Grottopod can you Gmail. please just subscribe? I'm not begging you for uh, rate, emails I am. anymore. Subscribe, rate. Nobody emails us. It's subscribe, fine. rate, tell us. a friend. It's tell fine. all your friends. And also just read, write, and keep working. That's the one. Yes. 